Special Forces, is it a group or does it refer to all specialized units as a whole? We will find out today on the Pre-Combat Check Podcast. My guest today is Cameron. He started out in the 82nd Airborne, went over to Special Forces, and currently serves in the National Guard. Enjoy the show. Hey Cameron, what's up? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to share your experiences to help people understand what it was really like being in the military. Let's get started. What years were you in? I joined the Army in 2007 and transferred over to the National Guard or transitioned over to the National Guard in 2015. Yeah, I'm currently in the National Guard, just so people are clear on that. And uh, why did you sign up? I wanted to join at a young age. I was big into the military back in high school and stuff. I really wanted to join the Air Force and fly jets, but that just didn't come to pass uh, after talking to recruiters. And so uh, I went with the next best thing that I really wanted to do, which was be in the infantry. So that just leads me into my next question. What was your MOS, which is your job? What units were you assigned to? And how many times did you deploy? I started out as an 11 Bravo infantryman, exactly how it sounds. You're a ground pounder. And I started out in the 82nd Airborne Division. I got lucky and got airborne school, so I got to go to the 82nd. I later transitioned to a communications sergeant with the 7th Group, which is part of Special Forces. How many times did you deploy with the 82nd, and then how many with Special Forces? I deployed once with the 82nd, then twice with the 7th Special Forces Group, and then in 2015 I transitioned to the National Guard with 20th Special Forces Group. First, talk about the 82nd Airborne. What does it take to get to the 82nd? What were training cycles like? What type of missions did you guys do overseas? And what was the overall culture like there? Well, the 82nd was great, for me at least. For the regular Army Infantry, it's a pretty good unit to be in. It's probably one of the best units to be in when you're deployed. Not a lot of people like the regular infantry after being in it for a couple of years, but the 82nd has got to be one of the best places to be. To get into it, uh, you got to pass basic training in Airborne. Uh, after you pass Airborne School, you, you're, you're going to go to one of two places at this point in your life. Uh, you're going to go to the 82nd or 173rd Airborne Division over in uh, Italy. Most other units in the Army are phasing out Airborne at this stage. So getting there, training cycles were like basic training. They suck a lot. You go to the field a lot. You don't do a whole lot of great training. You just do a whole lot of sucky training that really gets you into the Army spirit of having to suck a whole lot to get through stuff. So overseas, we did a lot of types of missions. And the overall culture in the 82nd? The culture was a lot like big army units. You know, it's about the, the same across the regular army infantry. You get a lot of people who are really solid guys, and then you get some who have just gotten screwed, and uh, they should have been nowhere near the infantry. So you got some really good guys um, who then move on to go to special operations units like maybe the Ranger Battalion or 7th Group or, or any of the special forces groups. But yeah, you got you got some pretty decent guys in that infantry overall. So the missions you guys did overseas, was it primarily patrols, raids? Were you guys looking for IEDs? What were you guys doing? A lot of presence patrols. In the infantry, we pretty much rolled around and I always like to say waited to get blown up. We would find IEDs by getting blown up. Presence patrols, you're pretty much securing a lot of open ground and holding ground. I and mean, that's what the big army does. In 7th Group, you do a whole lot of other things. Moving on from that, you are keeping a lot of ground locked down, but you're doing it through your indigenous forces. A whole lot less into driving around waiting to get blown up. Once you get to the special operations, and in this case, special forces, it's going to be a lot more a specialized mission, correct? 
Yep, yep. You, you, you'll do a lot more cordon and search, uh, high-value targets. You do some of those things in the regular infantry, like the 82nd, but in special operations, you'll do a whole lot more of, like, the HBT hit, the big cordon and search type of stuff, which some of it you do in the 82nd, but a lot of the army just pretty much locking down their AO and making sure that the enemy has restricted freedom of movement in an area. AO, just to clarify, is area of operation, correct? Yep, yep. From the 82nd, as you mentioned, uh, you went over and got your Green Bray, which meant you became part of the unit called Special Forces. How does someone go and try out for Special Forces, and what is the selection called, and what do you have to do? Well, selection is called uh, SFAS. It stands for Special Forces Assessment and Selection. It's uh, three weeks of pretty grueling physical and mental challenges. I like to say it's about 70% mental, 30% physical. You're going to do everything like team events, so you're getting graded on how well you participate and act with a team. So another thing you'll do is a lot of land navigation, so you got to be really big on land navigation. you got to be pretty decent of finding your way on your own. And then you do a lot of team events or solo events, physical challenges, stuff like that pretty much just trying to make sure that you're mentally tough enough to be selected and then start the Q course. So during your time, when you were in the 82nd, how did you volunteer? Did you just tell someone, hey, I want to go to SFAS? Yeah, from the infantry, you go and see a recruiter. There's one actually in the 82nd. You actually get lucky. You're right there on Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which is where selection for special forces is. You can actually just go over and see a recruiter and he'll sign you up to go to actual selection. Pretty easy from there to move over to course. And right now I know that there has been a program called the X-Ray Contract where you can sign up straight from the street. You don't have to go to some big army unit prior to trying out for special forces. Is that true? And is that still a thing right now? Yeah, they, they do have that. You've got a lot of guys who actually go through that program. It's a great program. So, so when I go to see a recruiter from the infantry, let's just say, in the army or any other unit, you can go and see a recruiter and then go over. The 18 X-ray contract is guys riding off the street, like you said. It's a great program. that they, they get you ready. When you're coming off the street, you go to basic training, airborne school, and then you go to another unit, pretty much a holding unit, for those 18 X-rays. And they literally just PT you, which is uh, physical training. You just do a ton of physical training getting ready for actual selection. So they really do a good job of uh, preparing you for selection. And I say that not because I've gone through it, but because I went through selection with a lot of guys that came in on 18 X-ray contracts, and they were they were all over it. They've really gotten worked out big before selection. It's a really good contract to come into the Army on. If you're an 18 X-ray, if you were in a big Army unit, or even Ranger Battalion and decided to go to SFAS and you got selected, what is the process? Once you pass selection on um, SFAS, you are moving into what we call the Q course. In the Q course, you do a, a, you know, a range of things. You're being evaluated the whole time. Um, that's the biggest thing. you got a lot of scrutiny the whole time you're in the Q course. And the Q course can be as long as you make it if you recycle certain phases of the Q course. But just to go over a quick thing on the Q course, you have a multiple different phases. You have language phase, which where you, where you go to three to six months of language school. You go to MOS school, which is your your actual job in special forces, where you'll be trained up on that. You'll go to SEER school, which is survival school, and then you'll go to three months of pretty much we call it like baby ranger school, which is all unit tactics or SUT. 
see after the entire Q course, if you don't get recycled, you don't get uh, pushed out because you got injured or anything like that, which, you know, this is a pretty long process we're talking about here, a year and a half, you'll go to something uh, called the COLEX, uh, the culmination exercise, and uh, they combine everything that you've learned into one big exercise, lasts about a month, and they test you on everything that you've learned in a uh, qualified, uh, hopeful candidate of special forces. And if you pass that um, and you get picked up, then that's when you get your long tab and your green beret and you get to go to an actual team. Sounds like a long, thorough process that you pick up a lot of skills and you get tested all throughout the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the Special Forces operator sounds like a well-rounded person. Yes, very well-rounded. We're not great at any one thing, but we're very well-rounded into about 50 different things that we can do decently. Can you break down really quick the different jobs as an 18 series, which means you're in Special Forces? Great question. Yeah, so you got you got a couple of different uh, MOSs that you'll get right off the bat. Uh, as after you pass selection, they give you what your job is going to be in the Q course, and then you'll go to that actual school to learn about doing that. You've got 18 Echo, which is a communications sergeant. You've got 18 Charlie, which is a uh, demo sergeant. You got 18 Bravo, which is a weapons guy. You'll learn all about all of the weapons, not that just that we use in the military, the U.S. military arsenal, but stuff all around the world. And then you've got 18 Delta, which is the premier medical course for any medic in the Army. It's super in-depth, takes quite a while to actually graduate from that course. 18 Alpha is the officer, correct? Yeah, there's other things also. Intel Sergeant, 18 Fox course, you can go to that later on. 18 Alpha is what you're an officer going to the Special Forces Selection course. You get picked up, you're going to go to the officer's course, which is your 18 Alpha. During my time in the military and even contracting afterwards, I've noticed that an 18 Delta is the most sought after job you could have had in the military. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's a good statement to make. No one under the sun uh, or the umbrella of being a medic that I want looking after me when stuff would go really bad other than an 18 Delta. I'll take him over any medical professional. We're, we're, we're talking like massive amounts of hands-on training. We're talking these guys go out and they actually do what they're being trained on. So they go work in ERs. They go work in ambulances for months on end. They see the worst of the worst. And then they go and get deployed with a special operations unit like special forces around the clock. If you're not over in a war zone, you're down in South America doing your job. These are by far the best medics that the military has to offer. I agree. What made you want to try out for special forces? That's kind of a joke with me. I didn't want to try out for special forces in the beginning. But once you get into the Army and you do a 12-month rotation with the regular infantry and you wonder who the guys are that are only deploying for six months or four months to combat zones, you uh, really start to look at other jobs a little bit more. And so once I saw that, wait a second, this is not that fun deploying over here for 12, 13 months at a time, some big infantry units deploy for 18 months, I said, hey, forget this. I'm going to trial for SF when I get back. And if you mentally can make it through a 12-month rotation in Iraq or Afghanistan, then you've got a good shot at making it through a year and a half in a training course like SF. That's what made me really push myself to go and try out. And then once you made it, got your long tab, and you were assigned to 7th Group, what was the normal training cycle like? Training cycle? Well, um, we're talking nonstop. That's all I can say. training. You were doing one or the other at all times. When you're off, you're 
start training anything up to two months before a mission. If you're going to South America or any type of training mission and or deployment, you're training nonstop two months beforehand. And then any free time before that or after a deployment, then you're going to be going to school. Your training is nonstop. Special operations forces have a lot of money. With that comes a lot of education. So they really will spend on making sure that you, you get educated. Sounds like a great thing if you want to work. Yep, it is. From there, after a training cycle, how long were deployments and what mission set did you guys typically do? Well, deployments were great. If you were doing combat missions, usually five to six months overseas. A lot of training missions. Your training missions could last from two to four months usually. Sometimes a little bit longer, six months. Usually a lot of the training missions where you're training up uh, individuals from other countries, usually we're doing that under four months. And then mission sets, we did a lot of stuff in, in SF. Um, SF's number one mission is unconventional warfare. Nobody does it better than them. But they also do a ton of other things, special special reconnaissance, foreign internal defense, direct action, counterterrorism. You name it, SF can do it. You know, we might not be the subject matter expert at any one of those mission sets like Delta is subject matter experts of direct action, but we definitely have it in our mission set, so we're able to do it. But definitely UW and SPID is it's what we make our money on. So it sounds just like really exciting employment, and you don't really know what to expect because you could do everything. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. You can do anything at any any moment. It's a great job to have. SF is really good at training up guerrilla fighters to overthrow their own country. That's why we're called force multipliers. That's SPID, that foreign internal offense, that's really a bread and butter job of SF. It sounds like you guys are really busy on deployments as well as the training cycle. So with that said, about how much time do you guys get to spend with family throughout the year? Well, I was lucky. I was one of the lucky ones. I wasn't married when I was doing this. We were home. We were home. We probably were home six to eight months a year at least. But when I say that, if you're going for one four to six month rotation a year usually, all of that other free time is usually taken up with uh, either school or training sets, getting ready for missions. And so that's the crazy thing is, is it's really hard to say how much you're actually home, but I do know that, you know, home life, it really does suffer when you're in a special operations unit. You know, you're, you're constantly gone, and so it, it becomes really hard on the family. Definitely. What can you say in comparison to the 82nd? In the 82nd, if you deploy for a year, you're going to at least get a year off. And then we train very rarely in the 82nd. And I don't, and when I say train, I don't mean like, hey, we don't go five states away for two months on end to train up for the next mission. What we do is a lot of two, three-week training exercises every couple of months in the 82nd. So you're getting to see your family a whole lot more often in the infantry, and you're really living a nine-to-five life when you're in the regular Army than in Special Forces. In Special Forces, your job is your life, and your family is 100% second in your life. Changes a lot in the Guard. I will say that right now. You get a whole lot more free time in the Guard, but at the same time, they like being just as active as active duty Special Forces. Compared to the regular Army Infantry, Special Forces is by far not a great place to be when it comes to home life and really seeing your kids grow up. So then after your active duty contract expired, you transitioned into the National Guard, but still in Special Forces, right? 20th Group. Can you explain the differences between the active duty and National Guard when it comes to Special Forces? When it comes to Special Forces, 
forces, there's not a lot of difference between the two. In the guard, you're very active still. If you're already in the guard, it's easy to come try out. Um, so if you're already in the, the actual infantry in the guard, or if you're in any part of the National Guard, you can easily come and try out. But yeah, very little difference between them. The two uh, National Guard units, um, 19th and 20th group, they both run a four-day selection course that they put you through. If you pass that, then they will decide to either select you or not select you, and then they'll send you to actual SFAS at Fort Bragg to, actual go, to go through the actual special enforcement uh, assessment and selection. It's a great course, and it really gets you ready to actually go to selection and test your will against like a 21-day selection course. That four-day course is for someone who does not have their long tab, correct? But if you already went through the SFAS and were pinned your long tab, have your green beret, you can just go straight into the guard unit and then start working just with less hours throughout the year. Yes, exactly. This four-day selection course that we have, this is just for uh, anybody else who's just in the regular guard or reserves or they used to be active duty and then they got out. They can come and try out for us and they can get into SF National Guard. Can a civilian do the same thing? If he's never had any experience, never been to basic, can he just go to that four-day course? It's harder for me to answer that question, but um, what I will say is you can't come right off the street. What you'd have to do is you'd have to go join a recruiter is the best to tell you all the ins and outs of it. But from what I know, you've got to join the guard first, join for a year or two years or whatever it is, an active or an actual National Guard unit, and then you can go see a recruiter for 19th or 20th group, and then you come to our four-day selection course. It sounds to me like the SF Guard is the best of both worlds because you have a good mix of civilian time and then the military as well. Would you say that's true? I wouldn't go that far. The Guard is so active that it can be hard to juggle the National Guard special forces with a really busy civilian job. So if you're really into your civilian job and you really want to make that your whole life's work, you're going to be slowed down considerably once you join National Guard SF because they're going to want you to deploy once every two years or go do a bunch of training every couple of months. So that's a good thing to think about if you're thinking or deciding whether to go active duty or National Guard. Can you summarize being in Special Forces in one sentence? Quiet professionals, probably. That's the, the, the best part of SF is they, they aren't into being that Gucci unit. Everything that you see in the movies, they are the quiet professionals of the military. Can you describe in your words how Rangers and Special Forces are different? The Rangers are the elite of the elite. They're doing direct action and you really want to be in on all of the action. Rangers is the place to be. Rangers and Delta, that, that's the number one place in the Army where you're going to do direct action all the time. That is their mission set. They cover a whole lot of other things. That, that's the main mission set for the rest of the Army. We know them for. Um, Special Forces is great. It's great because you got a lot of different mission sets. I'd say SF is smooth and deceptive and Rangers are shock and awe if you want to get right down to it. Let's cut the fat. SF guy walks into a bar and he picks a fight with the Ranger. Who's going to win? That's an easy one. If you're a real SF guy, you would never get into a fight with a Ranger. You just convince his uh, brother or his dad or maybe his best friend to uh, beat him up for you. <laughs> and, you know, you got to think smarter and not harder. Nice. I like it. Can you share things you like about your time in and things you did not like? A couple things I like. The, the camaraderie is, is amazing. In the 82nd, or either regular infantry and SF, camaraderie is 
it's something you won't ever get anywhere else. And I've worked a couple of different jobs since the Army. Yeah, you don't get that. You don't get the excitement, and you don't get to see the world. I got to literally see the world, 25, 28 countries, being in the Army. Nothing will be like that. I'll, I'll never see that much of the world ever again. Things I didn't like, there's no time for anything else outside of work. You're always training for the next operation, and free time with the family is greatly reduced. It gets a little better with the National Guard, so probably the worst thing for me is, is actually leaving. Once you're in the military, you can never fill that void again when it comes to camaraderie like I talked about earlier. I know it sounds a bit sappy, but you know, I'll never have that level of friendship like I had in the military, and I can't think of anything else I don't like. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can really understand, especially the separation and not having that same brotherhood. Uh, the mission set that you have there, you have that purpose and drive. Whereas when you get out, you know, not a lot is asked of you. So I believe the standard pushes you to be a better person. Yeah, I've never been pushed more than in active duty, mainly because you're getting pushed from all of those guys around you. You're around a bunch of elite killers. I know it's just a movie way of looking at it, but no, everybody around you is pushing themselves so much. You really have to be a weird type of person to not push yourself as hard, to constantly be trying to be as good as them. We all uphold each other around us, pushing that type of a persona. It's a great place to be. Definitely. And what are your recommendations for those thinking to try out and get their Green Bray? Well, get in crazy good rucking shape. Get ready, because there's nothing like having to put a 100-pound pack on and ruck for miles on end all day long. Nothing's going to break you down faster than that. I tell everybody, it's, you know, I think I said it earlier in the, in the broadcast, 70, 80% mental and, and 20% physical. Everybody always asks about the physical. And I always push people. I'm like, hey, <laughs> forget the physical. Anybody can get in shape, but is your brain in shape? Are you mentally able to get eaten alive on a day-to-day basis for years on end? Because it doesn't, it doesn't end in the few course. Even places you're going to go and the junk you're going to do later on, with special forces, it's going to break you off. So, yeah, you might be a physical animal. If you are mentally fit, you will see yourself break down and fall apart a lot quicker. Mental shape. Seems to be the common theme uh, among special operations where it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in. If you can't take it mentally, you're not going to make it, and you're not going to last there. Nope. So even if you make it past some selection or something like that, you're going to get to the Q course, and now you've got to put up with a year and a half. So if you were falling apart in selection, now you've got to go a year and a half with everyone around you seeing you work on a day-to-day basis. So if you were faking it in selection and you and you happen to get by, you can't fake being mentally just not fit or capable to be dealing with a bunch of alpha males on a day-to-day basis. And so they're going to find you out. You're not going to make it. You know, mass majority of people who are just mentally weak just don't hold up over time in something like special forces. So, If you really want to test yourself, go try out for some special operation unit. Yes, definitely. Thanks a lot for sharing everything you had for the show. That's all the questions I have. Perfect. Thanks for having me, and I hope this helps out the people who want to know about SF, you know, and or the infantry. The military is a great job, and I can't talk it up enough. I know a lot of people, you know, had different uh, experiences in it, but this has made me who I am today, and I love every bit of the experience that I got in the military, infantry and SF. I can't, uh, I can't talk it up enough. Yeah, great, man. I really appreciate that, and that's the goal is for anybody considering joining or, you know, just want to learn about what it's like to be in SF and the 82nd. They can... Listen to this podcast, and hopefully it'll help them out. Perfect, perfect, man. Thanks for having me. Cool, man. Well, you take it easy. To get more information about the process of joining, 
go to precombatcheck.com. Subscribe to this podcast to hear from more current and former members of the United States military. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for future episodes.